What's up, guys? I'm Matt. I'm Will, and this is the Carolina Way Podcast. Alright, so, not the game that we expected, nor the game that we wanted. We lost to Syracuse this week, Monday night, quick turnaround in Syracuse, two and a half point favorites. What's your thoughts? The same problems, you know, keep coming back to haunt us a little bit. Turnovers are horrible to watch. 20 turnovers in this game. The shooting fell right back off after Florida State. Uh, we had a great second half in Florida State. We come out against Syracuse. We shoot 38%, 20% from three. Once again, go back to shooting horrible from free throws, uh, 63%. So it was tough to watch, honestly, Will. Um, it was it was a really big letdown. I said in the last pod that I felt like we would come out and play well against Syracuse. We wouldn't have another letdown like we did after Louisville. But but once again, uh, you know, our our lack of seniority showed a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, our players, like we even said with Kerwin Wanton, was asked about this problem potentially happening. And everyone seemed to think that we already learned our lesson, that we'd be able to get over this. We've already faced Syracuse this year, so you can't even tell me that the zone is that much of a problem because we already conquered it one time. And I know Syracuse plays well at home and UNC plays well at Dean Dome, but still, there isn't but so much. There should not be that much discrepancy between home and away if you're a veteran or let alone a consistent team yeah. playing anywhere. So, I mean, that is definitely concerning. Kerwin Walton, I mean, like he also did not have a good game, 1 of 10 shooting. I mean, we did lose by two points, but we had no business making that comeback at the end like we did anyway. So... I mean, we. What's interesting is that we shot 20% from three, four of 20, and against Florida State, I believe we only had two threes. We were like two of 17, three of 21, something like that. So obviously, to beat the number one team in the ACC, you didn't have to hit three point shots. So I'm not necessarily concerned because of our shooting this game, because we have shown that we're able to beat top teams. But the turnovers is what really gets me. We had a ton in the first half against Florida State, 20 against Syracuse, and we just had very minimal big man passing in this game. Usually, I think it was against Northeastern was where we were really rocking with this, and then we carried that over to Louisville. Like, Dayron would be passing to Walker. Garrison would do, like, a little pass to Mondo. Walker was going little shovel passes to Garrison, and that was great, but we had none of that in this game. Yeah, I would say the turnovers, uh, they could every game, man, it seems like they're killing us. Florida State, they killed us the first game. We have not put together a full game yet where we uh, take care of the ball as, as well as we'd like to. But I would say, going back to your original thing about not hitting threes, I would say what even that out against Florida State is our ability to stop them from hitting threes also. Um, they didn't shoot the ball well uh, outside against us. But here – not only did we shoot 20% from three, but we allowed Buddy Beheim to absolutely tear us apart from outside. Our rotations were, were late. Um, we It just seems like guys are not in the right place too often in on our defense, especially when it comes to three-point defending. He already tore us up the first game, and now in the second game, what happens now? He does the exact same thing. And here's the thing that baffles me is that multiple times – he was just left wide open, not even on transition plays. Like, after maybe a screen and roll, like penetrate to the middle, all of a sudden he'd be wide open out wide. And we keep hearing about how great of a defender Leaky Black is. 
and he was on him early. But too often in the second half, it was too easy for Syracuse to get Leaky Black off Bayheim and just into space where no one really was defending him. So I'm not. I I don't think that was on Leaky in that situation. I don't think the team was maybe prepared or know how to guard a top level shooter and shut them down and how it, you know it's really a team we were playing a boxing one it seemed but you know it's really a team's responsibility to shut down a guy and focus on him if you really want to stop him and there just seemed like not enough buy-in from everyone out there to know where he was at all times yeah i agree 100 it's a consistent problem it's not an individual i think we got we have individual defenders that are really good honestly garrison's a really good individual defender leaky seems to uh, be a good individual defender. Caleb Love, honestly, seems to be a good individual defender. But our rotations, our team defense, it, is not where it should be at all. Um, we give up so many threes because we overhelp. And this is a part of Roy Williams' teams that early in the season, every one of his teams, championship teams, uh, lower-level teams, overhelp. But as teams get uh, more into the season, it seems that the great teams uh, uh, fix that problem. This team has not fixed the overhill problem. Guys drive into the lane, our defense collapses way too much, and they just kick out. And, and the basketball we play today, everybody can hit an open three, except uh, some of our guys, obviously. But it, it just seems a, a big problem that we need to fix. Turnovers and overhelping are the two biggest problems of this team, I believe. Yeah, honestly, especially in the first half of the game, first 10 minutes especially, we were killing Syracuse on the uh glass on offense and defense we had in the full game 53 rebounds to their 33 insane we had 26 offensive rebounds and 27 defensive rebounds and really our best offense as people say on the air all the time is a missed shot so sometimes these three-point shots we're throwing up there they're not going in but we're hoping to get like a dayron sharp offensive rebound and i mean still with that number we weren't able to get enough points, especially going to the free throw line long enough because Syracuse is not a big team whatsoever. They, like Dolzhai was guarding like some of our big men at times and he's extremely skinny. And like he was in some foul trouble, but we didn't go to that enough to really make them change what they were doing at all. Yeah, going back to like uh, the free throw thing, you know, if we shoot 75% instead of a horrible 63%, we win the game. You know, if we would have shot anywhere to the level if we shot against Florida State free throw wise, we beat Syracuse even though we had no, uh, we should not have been in the game at all. But the rebound is crazy. A 20 rebound advantage. Uh, that's what kept us in the game. If you want to know why was Carolina even in that game, it's that. You should win games anytime that you out-rebound your opponent by 20. And then going back to like, we, we've talked about this multiple times, how the team looks. Are they engaged? Do they care enough? Uh, Baycott even mentioned after the game, he said, and I quote, I feel like we just went out there tonight just expecting for the game to be handed to us. Why? Why are you going out there? After what happened after the Louisville game, why are you going out there believing it? That's just a sign of a young team, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I still don't understand this. If you're going into a game where you, especially an ACC game where you, want to like in a competitive game where you know you're the better team shouldn't you want to come in and just dominate the opponent i mean we just don't have that killer instinct in the team at all 
Football struggled with this a little bit in the year two, playing some inferior opponents. Syracuse isn't an inferior opponent like a Florida State or Virginia was in football, but still, it's a team that we should be liking our chances every time we play them. Yeah. Yet, we just didn't see that tonight. Um, I am pretty impressed with Armando Baycott having a nice performance yeah. after a few bad performances, right? The leader of the bigs, El Presidente, <laughs> 18 points. Uh, seven to ten shooting, four or five at the free throw line, uh, fifteen rebounds. Yeah. Um, the next highest rebounding number was Caleb Love at eight. So, he basically he doubled the next highest rebounder on the team, which is huge because that meant that he was really working the offensive glass really well, and was getting all these misses. So I, I really like that performance from him and nice rebound game. Yeah, his energy was there throughout the game, especially when we were leading. You know, honestly, we started out the game. I can't remember the exact score. It looked like we were going to be in control throughout. I mean, we started out the game, we had a quick lead, and that was when Baycott was really getting going. He was dominating the offensive boards. I thought, you know, he was leading the charge. He continued to stay consistent, but the rest of the team couldn't keep up. Since we're talking about some positives, though, I hate a loss. I always hate a loss. The game pushed us from an 8 or a 9 seed to a 10 seed, Will. And that might not be such a bad thing. College basketball this year is really weird. I believe the top four teams, uh, you know, the Michigans, the Baylors, the Gonzagas, I don't want any part of that. I believe once you get past those top four or five teams, it drops off exponentially. So if we get if we move down from the eight nine if we were eight or nine uh, if you know how the tournament goes we would have to be playing one of those one seeds. This Syracuse game might have pushed us to where we only had to play a two seed. After that. Yeah, I mean that definitely wouldn't be too bad. Florida State was around this three range, maybe a two range at some point. Virginia is definitely going to be up there as well, and I like our chances a whole lot more against a team like that than versus having to play. Gonzaga Baylor because those teams have been very dominant this year. Yeah. Um, even maybe Iowa with the injuries they've had a little bit regressing a little bit. Yeah. I like our chances a whole lot more in a rematch against them than like you said than a top team like that. Um, that would not be too bad. Yeah. The first the first round game really does not bother me too much because regardless of who it is, you just can't play bad to advance against any team in the NCAA yeah. tournament. So as long as we play a like a like good decent game, I really like our chances in that first game, and um, we wouldn't have any excuses, and it would only help ourselves in the second round. Now, maybe our aspirations are just to get to the second weekend. That's what it seems like it is right now, yeah. and that's totally fine. Um, I think that like it'd be a decent season if we survive the first weekend, yeah, and just found a way to just get through the second game. Obviously, it would be a pretty big time upset. Um, but yeah, it would be a little better. I guess we'll have to say how these next few games end up. We do look like we're pretty solidified in the tournament because we're on the better half of all these ACC teams that are trying to get in. Like a Louisville, they're behind us now. Georgia Tech is behind us. Not to mention all these other teams. So it'd be um, NCAA uh, committee would be very hard pressed to all of a sudden drop us below some of these teams like Louisville after we dominated them the way we did. So we won't be dropping but so much. But yeah, maybe we we can't avoid that 8-9. That would be pretty solid. 
I would say we're in. I, I don't, and I'm, this isn't a jinx because we could very well something horrible could happen. We could get blown out in the first round, but I would say we're in the NCAA tournament at this point. As long as we just play respectfully against Duke and you know don't get absolutely embarrassed in the ACC tournament. Um, I know that like the difference between that eight, nine, or ten spot is literally playing Baylor or West Virginia, or playing Michigan or West Virginia. I th- West Virginia is one of the two seeds they have us playing right now. Uh, if we want to talk about exactly like the first round, uh, I know going through some bubble talk, Andy Katz has us as a 10 seed going against Missouri. I'll be honest with you, I feel confident going against Missouri. Sporting News has us as a 10 seed. Bleacher Report has us as a 10 seed going against USC. Listen, once again, I feel confident. And then CBS, CBS has us as an 11 seed playing in the first four games against VCU. I'm happy with that because we'd be playing, that's more opportunity to play basketball. Uh, the reason I put us, you know, doing well in any of these games is we have better coaches. We have Rory Williams, and I have to take him against any of those, you know, lower level teams. And in more similar matchups, you would like our talent to be able to get through that game. And teams like VCU, um, like Missouri, they would not probably want to play UNC anyway in that first round. So that would play a little bit of factor too. Uh, what was the quote you saw about Roy today about the conferences not wanting to be like how tough the ACC was? Yeah, so they asked Roy about – They say, people were saying that ACC is down this year. And he said he bets that any of those teams that are saying that or any of the, these top teams today would not want to play in the ACC. And I, I agree with him 100%. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting take because I definitely thought the ACC was down. Yeah. Not really thinking too much of it. You just have like kind of two teams that are consistently ranked, Florida State, Virginia. I mean, we Clemson got up to like number 12 this year. That's how bad the ACC was in my opinion. But, um, yeah, I mean, he does have a point to it that it's – I mean, the point about the ACC is you can be beat by anybody at any time, and that's what has to keep you off guard. And that's one thing the other conferences don't always have is the – depth from top to bottom but just to um, put this whole tournament seeding in other words for you the ACC women's basketball tournament kicked off today or they kicked off yesterday but UNC played today in the 8-9 matchup which Mm -hmm. you don't want to be in because as a UNC women's basketball team coming off two big wins the senior night game against Georgia Tech um, and then going on the road and finishing up against um, I believe it was uh, sorry, beat Virginia Tech and then beat Georgia Tech in mm-hmm. senior night. Yeah, UNC was playing Wake Forest in the 8-9 game this year, split the series 1-1 with them this year, and we lost today, 82-70. We are on the bubble, and now it looks like very well could be not in, yeah. even though our net rankings were thir- was 32 and higher than teams like the four-seed Florida State and number three Georgia Tech. But if we would have had a higher seed, maybe like the 10-seed, or 11 seed, all of a sudden we'd be playing a Virginia Tech team, which we already beat very recently. And then you'd be playing Georgia Tech, which is a three seed UNC just beat the other day, or a state, which UNC has also beat, instead of then playing the number one seed Louisville Cardinals. And maybe we looked ahead a little bit, like saying, oh, you know, we got to beat Wake and then probably Louisville to make the tournament. And yeah. that can seem pretty daunting. So. It's very psychological when you get into the tournament too on who you might have to face. Yeah, and Wake's coach uh, was playing for her or was coaching for her thousandth win. Uh, so like these things that 
you know, you don't want to go up against. You don't want to play a team that you're one and one against. You don't want to play a team that's playing for. They're also probably playing for the tournament. Also, their coach is playing for a, a big time accomplishment. These things do matter. So when people go, oh, there's no difference between eight or ten for Carolina and men's basketball. There's a big difference. We don't want to play Gonzaga, who's been great all year. Baylor, who's been pretty much great all year. Michigan, who's pretty much been great all year, other than that one loss last week. Uh, give me West Virginia. Give me Iowa, who we competed against. These seedings do matter. So as much as I hated losing against Syracuse, might have been a blessing in disguise as long as we take care of business from here on out. Man, I got a question for you. So we're in the Carrier Dome football stadium now. I know they make it look like it's a basketball arena, but it's a huge complex. Like you're playing in the Final Four facility. We had bad shooting against Florida State in the Dean Dome. Do you think that maybe is this an anomaly, our shooting against Syracuse because of the huge arena? Or do you think that this is just how our team is that we're going to have nights like this? Because I feel like it's definitely a little bit part of it that you're not used to playing in a like a football stadium, yeah. and your depth perception is off big time. You know, I mean, this same thing happens with uh, when they play football Syracuse. They talk about how big the stadium is and how much it affects the game. Some of it is definitely playing in such a big place uh, like the Carrier Dome, right? Um, now, these guys are going to have to get used to that because they want to play on the big level. They're going to have to play in big areas like this. I would say it's easier to play in without the fans, obviously, I don't think this team is a good shooting team, Carolina, consistently. They've shown that they're not. But playing against Jim Beheim, playing against a zone that makes you shoot if you don't know how to handle it, if you're young, all these things definitely went into this could have definitely been an anomaly. We could be turning it around. I think we're – Rory said today in his press conference, we are better today than we were. Don't get that confused. We are a better team. Caleb Love is better. Kerwin Walton is better. Once all these things – if Kerwin Walton was – you know, playing as good as he was in the middle of the season just last week, actually, we probably would have beat Syracuse. He had another tough game. I expect him to be back. I'm going to say it, it, it was an anomaly. We're better than Syracuse. All right, well, I'd love to go ahead and look ahead to senior night and playing Duke. Oh, man, it's bittersweet for you, right? <laughs> Absolutely bittersweet. Even though you'll be back. Yeah, I'll, I'll be back for another year, but, you know, it's still an end to the four years, all the memories of, you know, just the whole undergraduate experience. It's different being here for like a graduate school. Definitely, you can't just have like little mistakes and whatnot. Like you got to yeah. be on top of oh, everything. Yeah. You can't. There's nothing new to learn about being at Chapel Hill. Like I've I've experienced all the firsts, and it's been quite the ride. It's all business, and and it's gonna be a, it's a business trip year next year. Yeah. Um, no more joking around and everything. You know, it's a whole lot more buttoned up. Yeah. But you know, right now it's. It's the first, you know, last senior night. You know, it's one of those yeah. high school, you always had those with your sports teams. And, you know, with Carolina basketball, any student now that especially comes from the sports background knows how special senior night is. I've always said it, anything can happen on senior night, just like anything can happen in game seven. Yeah. I, I feel like it's the exact same type of night. Um, we saw it with Georgia Tech this week. Jose Alvarado's senior night. He didn't even have a good game. He had like six points, but he impacted the game so much and was so invested into it, got the other teammates involved, and you see what happens when they play for him if he's not having a good night. And then all of a sudden they take Duke to overtime and beat him. Mm -hmm. And they had no business beating Duke in that game because they weren't even playing that well. But, you know, when you you have so much emotions on the line, um, games like that happen. It's one of those games where – yeah. 
these guys, even the freshmen, man, even the sophomores, it isn't they want to lay everything out on the line for their seniors. So not only are the seniors out there playing as hard as they can, um, everybody else is, or I expect everybody else will be. Like Kenny Williams, like that's one thing that pops up to me. Kenny Williams uh, was going through a tough stretch at Carolina his senior year. Duke comes to Carolina. I think me and you both were at that game. Kenny Williams lights up his senior night against Duke. So it's like these games, anybody can show out. Any of the seniors can show out. It doesn't matter who it is. I expect guys to play at their top level. One of my favorite memories also kind of going off that was my freshman year and when we were about to play Duke. And it was at the Dean Dome. Like the la- It wasn't senior night, but it was the last home game against Duke for Theo and Joel. And Theo Pinson said he pulled Kenny Williams aside before the Duke game. And he said, Kenny, if you hesitate on any shot, I'm going to call a timeout and I'm going to punch you in the face. Oh, wow. <laughs> and... He told he said that Kenny was after the game. He said that Kenny is too good of a shooter to hesitate, mm-hmm. and he says every time I, he shoots, I think it's going to go in. And you you would never have that conversation except for a huge game like last game against Duke or anything like that, where mm-hmm. you had to have utmost confidence in yourself because if you're hesitating, you're probably not going to come out on the right side of this. That reminds me of Playtech a lot, right? Like. We know Playtech can make shots. Roy recruited Playtech to make shots. He hesitates so much. Kenny Williams often hesitated too. Uh, they're in a very similar position. I would love, I would love for Playtech to have a great game. I think Playtech had a great game. I know he had a great game against Clemson last year. I think he had a good game against Duke last year too. I might be mistaken. Um, I hope he comes out. I hope he shows out, and I expect him to show up. I know it will also that today, reminiscing a little bit for you as a senior, you were uh, you were sitting down thinking about the differences between Carolina and Duke. That's right, Matt. I was sitting in my 930 leadership class today thinking about what's going to be on the pod tonight and nothing better than just talking about the differences. There's no similarities, straight differences between UNC and Duke. Um, academically, athletically, y'all, culturally, it's insane. Yeah. Like a lot of schools can have rivalries and say like, oh, we're, we're so different from each other, right? And you're not all that different. You're, you're also not, not eight miles apart. You're not eight miles apart, right? Yeah. It's amazing how different these schools are um, with the proximity. It's, not, it's, it's almost like these schools should be on different continents in different hemispheres with how many differences we are. So I'd love to get into that right now. Kind of broke it down a little bit into education and athletics. Please jump in if you have anything to add or um, include here. But first one, we all know UNC is a public school. Duke is a private school. UNC has almost 20,000 undergrad population. Duke has 6.6 thousand undergrad population. It's like uh, two and a half times more. Yeah. UNC has 11,000 post-grad students. Duke actually has more post-grad than undergrad. They have 9.1 thousand. So you even have opposites when it comes to your diversity of the Asian yeah, students. That's that doctorate school. Yeah, all the doctorate school. UNC is mostly a little younger, undergrads. UNC has a north campus and a south campus. Matt, you live at north campus at Granville first few years. I lived at south campus, Craig and Morrison. And Duke has a west and east campus. Of course they do. Um, and what's more is UNC's campus, north and south, is strictly 
just to make things a little bit easier. It's not really split at all. But Duke's, of course, Duke's yeah. campus would be split. It's split by the, I believe it's the Durham Freeway. Of course it is because UNC's not. Um, UNC has the old well, Duke, which, you know, is a little smaller, right? Yeah. Um, a lot easier to, like, get a picture with and everything, right? Yet you, you get to interact with it. It gives you water. Duke has the Duke Chapel. Ugh. So it's tall. Yeah. Um, doesn't really provide anything, you know, like yeah. water <laughs> gives you some nourishment life. Yeah. Um, the chapel, I mean, I, I've been to Duke's campus one time, but um, I mean, it's mainly there, they're just for the looks of it, right? Yeah. Um, another funny thing, just a little side note here, a little social thing, was that at UNC you have the frats that are in, obviously, the frat houses for the most part and sororities. And at Duke, all the frats are located, of course, not in a frat house, but within residence halls. Yeah, they <laughs> and, don't know how to have fun over there, obviously, right? <laughs> Ex- uh, I don't know. I guess they, I guess they must want to have you know too much control over them or yeah. something because they're a private school, so they can limit their speech and whatnot. But um, I saw this was pretty funny. In the 1990s, Duke implemented this thing where um, if any frats wanted to have a keg at one of their parties, Duke, of course, was okay with this. But you'd have to buy the keg through Duke versus UNC, obviously, with the frat house and stuff. Um, you'll see with UNC, they just put up the black um, yeah. tarps and stuff, and UNC doesn't even look over. But Duke has it down to even wanting to know what type of beer they're drinking at their functions. Just bring uh, just bring a UNC guy to the party, which is the obvious choice here, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what it seems yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, some easy ones like Blue Devil. Um, over here, we call it like Blue Heaven, yeah. um, which is weird because they're directly associated with uh, Presbyterian. Their school's directly uh, associated with like Presbyterian yeah, great point. private, and they're the Blue Devils, which I've always found uh, a little weird. Yeah, it makes it easier for me to be a Tar Heel to say we're going against the Devils. I mean, yeah. it just and the make- Lord made the sky blue, uh, Carolina blue. You know, I mean, yeah, things. But um, also. UNC is integrated with the Chapel Hill town very well. Like Franklin Street, it's not even part of UNC's campus really, but I mean it's just so pushed on us to like visit, go there. Yeah. Restaurants, they want students to come, and really for Durham, like Duke is kind of they don't have walls around their campus, but it's very shut off from the like Durham yeah. downtown community and everything. It's when I think Duke, I never think Durham. No. Never. And, but when never I think, and when you think Durham, you never think Duke. No, but when you think, yeah, which is weird, right? When you think Durham, you never think Duke. When you yeah. think Chapel the only thing you think is UNC, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really weird. I, I, it give, Chapel Hill gives off a, a home feel a little bit more, for sure. When the uh, number one college town ranked the other year by BuzzFeed. Yeah. And Duke, obviously, is not even... Duke's not the town. Durham's not a college town. No. So they don't have that environment at all. Just another huge um, difference. Um, for example, on Franklin Street, you have bars that students go to. At Duke, they have a nightclub. Yeah. Just Old t- shooters. Me and you, me and you uh, in the summer, we- we'll give some stories <laughs> about shooters. That's right. Uh, UNC has extremely old buildings, unchanged, like um, the Union, old um, dining halls, Lenore. All this stuff, um, even South Building, just unchanged, been there for years. Duke, theirs are extremely nice, very new. But the funny thing is on the outside, they want to make you 
think yeah. that's an old building. So they've done things like sandblasting and everything just to make it get the old factor, but then have it new. And you can't have it both ways. Yeah, because Duke has like a medieval feel to it. Right. For sure, right? Like, um, so it was very, I didn't know this, that it was very shocking that they have newer buildings, but they want them to look older. Yeah, exactly. Take it till you make it, I guess. But um, Also, just in general, I took a freedom of expression class. So UNC allows a course for all free speech. So you see things like Gary the Pit Preacher. <laughs> you can see protests, whatnot going yeah. on all the time. You don't even have to necessarily register it ahead of time. You can just do it on campus because it's a uh, we free have protests here all the time. Free speech place, right? At Duke, because they're private, they don't have that sort of stuff because they can limit that whenever they want to, and you have to have the permit and why not to be on the campus to protest. Um, also, you know, like UNC has the pit, the quad, a bunch of very inclusive spaces, easy for students to hang out with, like right at the dining halls. And from what my knowledge is at Duke, they don't really have that space. They don't have like the pit or anything like that that they go to. Um, it's very spread out. Like it's almost like they want you to have your own space away from other people to do your own thing. There isn't really a spot where everyone can hang out together, yeah. which is also a little weird. Um, also, UNC is the first public school and in the United States, and Duke is about 60 years younger or 60 years later, right? Yeah. And they're founded on tobacco money yeah. versus UNC's being through taxpayers for the North the Carolinian university citizens. For the people. That's right. Um, also, at UNC, you have to live on campus just one year, or like at Granville, right? At Duke, you have to live on campus three years. So some stories I hear is that these New Jersey kids come down, uh, buy a spot on campus, and then live off campus. Yeah. We grew here, you flew here. <laughs> yeah. uh, and what's more, UNC has to have at least 80% of their students be in-state students, whereas Duke has a mandate where they only need 20% of their students to be in-state yeah. students. This, yeah, we grew here, you flew here, exactly. I mean, it's complete opposites, yeah. right? It's, it's like, amazing you because can't make this up. it's eight miles apart. It's yeah. To, like, you know, Tobacco Road, you know, Duke funded off of Tobacco Road, one public, one private, one – it seems like one's way more homely, one's kind of – like once again, it goes back to the private school feel. It's weird, but and what's also is amazing is they're both prestige, very high up institutions. It's not like one is obviously better academically than the other one. So it's all about what you want, yeah, right. And Duke also is a lot more on engineering, really focused on that a good bit. And UNC is a little bit less, or a little more research science based. Yeah, from what it seems. And there's big time. I, I'm guessing the uh, graduate student is the medical school. Yeah, in uh, law school. Which I had to name drop here. Oh, Ken Jong from The Hangover uh, went there also, and I want to say he went to Carolina also. Yeah, like he taught, like he taught at Duke, went to yeah. UNC, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so he's got he he knows we should I wish we could get him on the pod to ask him what the differences are. We will one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd be great. Uh, also, of course, like UNC, even if you're an out-of-state student, you're not paying over forty thousand in tuition. If you're in-state, you're paying under ten thousand. Duke, you're paying fifty-seven thousand a year, no matter where you live. Good meeting. Now let's let's bring it to sports. Oh, this is where it really comes down to. It is. So of course, if well first. UNC has our own athletic facilities. We all play at Chapel Hill, Duke. They play at the Durham Bulls athletic facility for baseball. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Just thought that was a little something interesting. Yeah. Um, and also, if you want to go to like the UNC to the Duke game, vice versa, for UNC, you have to attend other sporting events if you want to be guaranteed a ticket through Carolina Fever by going to other games like, say, lacrosse, volleyball, swimming, wrestling. But for Duke, you just have to tin out for the UNC game. So they don't encourage you to support their other teams at all. They just say, we want you to show everyone how big of a Duke basketball fan you are by wasting your time for months for this game. And Carolina is very against tinning out for games. Very against. They don't allow it. Yeah, they don't. At all. Yeah. Like, if you get out there so early, they will strictly just not let that happen and tell you not to. Yeah, come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what's more, you know, you have Carolina Fever supporting all sports, just like what I said. And then for Duke, their version is the Cameron Crazies, which, of course, is for Cameron Indoor Stadium, which is only for Duke basketball. There's not a so, Cameron Crazy at a football game. I've seen it. There's not. <laughs> There's <laughs> none. Yeah. They just, they just have no, lack of support for all the other sports. Yeah. And maybe there's a reason because their sporting level for everything else is nothing like yeah. UNC's. I mean, like, we, we've talked about this enough, guys. I mean, we win championships in everything. That's right. Dean Dome capacity is 21,750. Cameron Indoor Stadium is 9,300. Yeah. Which actually, I thought Cameron was even smaller than that. So, I, who I, knows? I've never been there. I, I honestly, and I'll say this I envied them a little bit on that one. Uh, because if you've been to like a Carmichael game, you know the small thing, uh, the small environment's cool. But I don't think the Dean Dome, the size of the Dean Dome, the look of the Dean Dome is way more to me historical and, and really leaves a bigger mark than Cameron Indoor. Although Cameron Indoor is way better because of the fans, I think that's why it gets a better you know a feel like in the public. But I think the Dean Dome, just the look of it and how huge it is, is really special. It is with the banners yeah, all across yeah. up top and everything. It, it it's it's very cool. Yeah. Um, and a couple things that we do have gripes with with UNC. Of course, we hit on it last week a little bit with the fan cutouts yeah. having better seats than the <laughs> students that were in the upper level. By the way, yeah. so I mean, it's like the UNC didn't want ESPN to see on camera that there was any people at the game for some reason. I don't know. Them cutouts but, sometimes look real, even at Duke. <laughs> <laughs> well, just based on that. UNC all around has company sponsorships mm-hmm. all around the floor, and I, I just don't like that one bit because they're trying to get money back and whatnot. Oh, yeah. But Duke, they don't care about that one bit. They have pictures of their students all around the court to show like how involved the students are with the team. This goes back to that private school, public school, though. Duke, you know, they're not hurting for money at all. Carolina's not hurting, hurting for money either, but let's be honest, Duke's getting – way more money through that tuition uh so i understand a little bit although like you said i would you know i don't like the sponsors as much but you know carolina's trying to get that money i do goose endowment is actually over two times the amount of unc's mm-hmm. and you know that's that's crazy in and of itself because unc has plenty of money coming in as yeah. well so that's I mean, yeah, neither is hurting at all no neither is hurting um and then also like for student section tickets the lowest level you can get is the risers, which are on the baseline. And at Duke, theirs is on the sideline. Of course, it's going to be different. Yeah. Um, and all the way down. So literally, the only spots where each other are not sitting is where the other school is sitting. Yeah. Uh, just it's crazy. Just, just add a little bit more onto it. 
And then the, even the font, even the font, Matt. We're talking for UNC, especially athletics. You have the the font name is actually called Carolina Strong, mm-hmm. and it's bold, thick letters for all sports. Duke, of course, it's not going to be that. It's going to be the gothic font. It's going to be thin and very like clever. Yeah. Very nice. Sneaky too. a little bit. A little sneaky, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the, the last two I got for you here are the easy ones, the Carolina family, Duke Brotherhood, and then even the coaches. I mean, I just can't get over this enough how many differences there are. Yeah. Roy is referred to as Old Roy, and Coach K is the prestigious K. Yeah, so Roy's like the Southern gentleman, uh, has that Southern hospitality feel to him. Uh, calls know, it like he sees it, right? Calls just, it like he sees it, very light. Uh, like you know, happy go lucky perception. Yeah, um, very humble. Like OG. Like we just beat Duke. Like yeah, that family. Like the Carolina family really goes with Roy really well, right? And then K is like the military guy. Uh, you know, military I background. I don't know where. Yeah, I don't know where K is from. I don't think it's South. I, I don't think it's South at all. Uh, and then he has this like public perception of you know he's light. He's not disliked, but it's like he has this tough aura tough or uh maybe not as just not as likable i know i'm saying this as a carolina fan but i think that's true for anybody not as likable as roy complete opposites personality wise it seems i don't think roy i think roy said this that they don't hang out like you know roy likes to golf k likes to do different things i don't know what k likes to do you never see k golfing even at these like coaching benefit golf tournaments where you have like say a matt brown roy teaming up against other schools like that Coach K just doesn't do that type of thing. And they're around the same age, too. Yeah. And even more than that, Roy, the the persona vibe that he puts off to the media and everything from the sidelines, um, interviews, it's completely real because freshman year, I got a great story real quick for you. Is I was you know, getting to Chapel Hill, and the only free time I had because we're living in um, a suite of eight, sharing in one bathroom. Your roommate was in, like, you have a roommate, and you're around at least someone 24-7. So the only free time I had was either, well, r- really not even, like, taking a shower or anything. My only free time was going on runs. So I was going on runs all the time. So I've lived right there at the Dean Dem. So I was running around the Dean Dem one day when it's hot. Shirt off, you know, just taking in as much cool air as I can in this hot North Carolina humidity in the August. And I saw Roy taking laps around the Dean Dem walking. So I walked, ran past him at first, and then I turned back and said, Roy, and, you know, it just it'd be very natural, commonplace to call him by his first name. And he responded to it and just was great. And, um, you know, wanted to talk to me real quick and asked me, like, how I was doing and everything. And it was a great conversation. I'm so glad you told that story because you reinvigorated a memory of mine. Uh, I was uh... – Freshman year, man, you know, as a freshman, you'll line up before a game, like 12 hours before a game, right? I have. So, a lot, I want to say maybe Gonzaga. It was one of these big games for my freshman year. I was heading toward the Dean Dome with a hot chocolate in my hand, man, ready to sit in line for however long I needed to sit in line. It was so early that Roy was taking laps around the Skipper Bowls lot, which is right beside the Dean Dome. And... Uh, I think I went, I was with a friend, we went to the museum, uh, I realized I forgot my phone, and we went back up, I got my phone, and then we came back, both times we passed Roy, on our second time back, 
uh, Roy goes, are y'all uh, y'all trying to walk laps with me or trying to walk laps like me or something something of that sort? And we laughed, and he sit there like literally for like a whole minute just speaking to us, making jokes, asking if we were going to the game and things like this. So how he comes off as so personable, it literally goes right back to your story too. He he just comes off way more personable while K is more business. And not saying one's better than the other, uh, but for public perception, Roy definitely comes off as more likable, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. Now, of course, it's different with recruiting and everything like that. You never know, but Roy feels like can talk to anyone. Coach K is just a lot more uptight. Yeah. More about basketball. Yeah. Um, Going back to the brotherhood versus uh, the Carolina family, I want to give a a crazy comparison. So in the 90s with Dean, uh, Dean was known to tell guys to leave early when it wasn't popular. He would tell Stackhouse, Carter, Rasheed, like, leave early. It's best for you. While guys back then were staying four years mostly, four, three or four years. Uh, So Dean was like a proponent for leaving early. While Kay back then and the Duke uh, dynasty was everybody was staying four years. While now, from like 2010 to 2020, Duke has went full out one and done, while Carolina kind of stayed the path of keeping the older three to four year guys. I think it's amazing that we've never been the same at the same time while we've taken similar qualities at different times. I thought that was an amazing thing. Yeah, man. I I mean, I really can't get over how many differences there are. I mean, this is a list on a full sheet of paper front and back that I did. And that's just what I did during class when I was already preoccupied. I mean, yeah. I just I just can't get over it, man. It's just <laughs> any similarity, there's none. Yeah, none at, at all. all. It's amazing. That's what makes it ten times better. Yeah. People go like people that aren't from North Carolina, uh, or maybe don't. I don't feel like they fully grasp. You know, if they haven't been around the rivalry, they don't understand. It isn't just about the eight miles, which is a big part of it. It isn't only about the history. It isn't only about how good both the institutions are it's also just how different the institutions are too yeah that that's a huge part of it i mean it's it'd also be one thing if one school is say like the unc and state like one's blue one's red very contrasting colors but here like you're both blue but of course you're never going to be the same color blue of course you're going to have different shades of blue just because you're different yeah it's like you're the exact same but you just take one little difference from each other, like, oh, you're you're gonna eat pizza tonight? Oh, I'm gonna go and get Asian. Yeah, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just because it doesn't matter. Whatever they're doing, we're doing the opposite, and I wanted to keep it that way because I do not want to be anything like Duke ever. Yeah, ever. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Like, one chose pizza, and one chose Asian for everything without even knowing what the other was gonna choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh. Going now we've talked about the difference, we've talked about the rivalry. Let's talk about this specific game. What do you think what are your thoughts going into playing them for the second time this year on senior night? I'm a little concerned, not gonna lie, because even in my class today, the professors are saying like, Oh, you know, like let's have a good time against Duke, like when we beat them. Like people are really thinking that we're just gonna come in and beat Duke. No problem. They're like, oh, Duke's having a terrible year. We've lost some games, but we're just going to beat them. And I really hope that's not translating over to the players thinking that, 
oh, just because we beat Duke one time, it's just, we're going to be able to do it again at home this time on senior night. Yeah. It's never that easy. And also, I mean, we I'm not going to lie, Matt. We, we kind of got lucky a little bit, especially with our shooting against Duke. Oh, yeah. We were shooting lights out in that game, especially early on. Like, Duke was shooting well, of course, because yeah. they, they always do right in those games with three ball, especially at Cameron. But we were right there matching them stride for stride, and then we took off even more of, like, Kerwin going off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never want to have to rely on our shooting to keep us in the game. And that game, it felt like it did a little bit, and I felt like it wasn't totally deserved based on how we um, consistently are throughout the season with shooting. Yeah, uh, going exactly to that point, so we went 10 of 15 from three at Duke, and wow. since then we have made 29 of 112, which is 26%. So, yeah, before Duke game we weren't shooting well. After the Duke game we haven't shot well. Wow. Listen, Roy said today, and I, I you know, I same thing. I believe the same thing. If Caleb Love wants to go off, do it again, please. But that's not what normally happens. We'll probably have to, you know, do the things that we need to do every night, which is limit turnovers, uh, rebound the ball well, and play better defense. I think those are going to be the keys this time for sure. Um, I'm a, Same way with you, man. We, we can't come into this game thinking we're just going to, you know, roll over Duke. It never happens. We almost upset Duke last year. We had the worst team we've had in 20 years. So these games are never easy. I don't care how good or bad a team is. Yeah, and um, right now Duke has a lot to play for, especially after two straight overtime losses. Um, I mean, I think the committee will try whatever they can to put Duke in. Maybe that's just my instinct. But, of course, you're going to – instinctively want UNC in, you're going to instinctively want Kansas in, Kentucky, and of course you're also going to want Duke in the tournament if there's a chance. And we just cannot give the committee a chance to put Duke in, and you do that by making Duke continually to lose games because they're not on the, the right edge of getting in the tournament right now. And, you know, one game for them, all of a sudden they beat a tournament team in UNC, looks good for them, then they go into the ACC tournament and you don't know what can happen. Yeah. They traditionally perform pretty well in the tournament compared to UNC. So, I mean, that's another thing is Duke should have the motivation for this game um, because they they really have everything on the line for this. Yeah, them being, you know, Joe Lenardi last week had them first four out, okay? And then they lose two games this week, and Joe Lenardi has them first four out. Listen, <laughs> I, don't funny. What, I don't know what Joe is doing. Listen, I've, I've said all year, uh, with Duke's record and who they beat, if Duke's in the tournament, NC State's in the tournament. And, you know, I don't like NC State any more than I like Duke. That's actually a good point. State, had, like, for example, beat the Virginia. Yeah. Uh, they both it, beat Virginia. That's their only one good win. Duke, Duke beat Virginia, right? Um, State did beat UNC. Yeah. Duke will have to see, I mean, like, like – State actually might have a better resume than Duke. And I don't think the State actually has been uh, shine, ducking some of these opponents like Duke has with Florida State. Yeah, well, State, and the non-conference games. State has more wins and less losses than Duke. They both only have one Q1 win, and it's both against Virginia. So where is the argument here? State's not in. Duke shouldn't be in. But that, you know, like you said, they're going to try to get the Blue Bloods yeah. in. And, and it's a little bit about the money and, and who wants to watch who. And I get it. But, you know, let's just make it easy on the committee and beat them. 
You know, let, let's take care of business. We are better than them. We are better than them. But like you said, anything can happen in a Duke-Carolina game. I'm not going in saying we're going to win. Carolina, after coming off of a loss, a letdown like we had, our team, by any means, should not be coming in having the mindset that Baycott said <laughs> of believing that we're going to win any game. We should not believe we're going to win any game at this point. We should have the confidence that we can win, but we should not believe that we're going to win. I'd hate to see the mentality of this team if we win three games straight. Oh my God! Imagine <laughs> winning, imagine winning like three games in the ACC tournament, bro. We might not, we may never win again. Because this year, I, after every ACC win at, at home, like you see us dancing around in the like the practice gym, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, of course that's fun that we're dancing around, but it's kind of gotten old for me a little bit. Like I'd love to watch the videos of the team dancing and everything after big wins, but now if yeah. we're dancing after beating, like, okay, sure, like. Louisville was a big win, but then now you're doing it against Florida State. Yeah. You're going to do it against – like, you're doing it every week. I mean, it's not that – at some yeah. point, you should be expecting to win some of these games, not as surprised when you win these games. All I'm going to say is if I don't get a ticket to this game – Oh, my God. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I don't know how happy I'm going to be with UNC regardless. Well, so. if you don't get a ticket, man, I'm going to hurt for you. So I think I might just have to wear white clothing during that game on Saturday if I don't get a ticket. I don't know if I can just give my heart back to UNC that quickly after they do me dirty. But we'll see. I, I'm not. I'm gonna hold out hope that they that they do me right for this game. Listen, if you don't get a ticket, I would hope somebody is gonna bring you to the Duke game. <laughs> Listen, we're gonna do like a bachelor show, but instead of getting a rose, you get the ticket to the Duke game because some somebody better bring you to the Duke game, really. Because first of all, we need. We need somebody at the Duke game for the pod, Absolutely. but also just for the senior pod. year. You gotta be at the Duke game. You know what I mean? You have look, to. Matt. Like I've grown up with played. To, I got stories with Sterling Manley, um, in English class together. We'll get. To, yeah. You know it is. It is senior night, so we need to get to these stories, right? Yeah. Um, the seniors: Garrison Brooks, Andrew Playtech, Walker Miller, KJ. Mm. The cool thing about it all is that UNC always starts. All as many seniors as we have in the game on senior night, even against a huge game like it is against Duke. So, what our starting lineup this Saturday will be until we get to the under four timeout, pretty much, is going to be at the one KJ, number two Caleb Love, potentially. That's what that's yeah. what I'm thinking at least. Number three is going to be Playtech. Number four is going to be OG Brooks, <laughs> and five Walker Miller. Yeah, which is going to be... I mean, be... It's, it's always very cool because these players, they always... Uh, tell me what you think, Matt. They never really have bad minutes at the start of the game. They always kind of play decent. So energetic. The energy is always there. And Roy, honestly, sometimes leaves them in for a pretty good amount. Um, I think it says... I think that's one of my favorite traditions of Carolina basketball in such a big game, games that sometimes are for a number one seed or for a regular season ACC championship, and Roy, no matter what, is putting these guys in. A lot of times are walk-ons. Walker's a walk-on this year. Uh, KJ was a walk-on. So, like, you know, it's awesome that Carolina does that and and will continue to do it. And I expect them to be energetic and provide some uh, pretty good minutes. All right, well, I'd love to go ahead and just go through who we – you know, our seniors, some memories that we have of them. Yep. You want to start with the 
vice president of the bigs, Mr. Garrison Brooks. Yeah, Garrison, we might give you president for this one night. You deserve it, you know, buddy. We might give you president. I'll, I'll call you President Brooks for now. Uh, so one thing that sticks out to me about Brooks is, you know, what he did for our team last year. We all know last year was a tough year for Carolina basketball. Um, but he really stepped up, especially when Cole went out. He earned second-team All-ACC honors, uh, you know, led the team in scoring. We all remember that that one game uh, against State where he absolutely dominated, dropped 25 and 11. State thought they were finally going to beat us. They weren't going <laughs> to yeah. beat us, even in our worst year. State, you're not At State, beat. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. So those things of him just, you know, doing that and then, you know, him being a good defender for throughout for four years uh, – I just enjoyed Garrison's all four years. He, he he honestly contributed to every team from freshman to senior year. And there's not many guys that can say they're also ACC preseason player of the year. Yeah. Um, obviously, with how UNC was set up this year, that was a bit of a stretch. And we still, man, I, I don't even know who's going to be ACC player of the year first yeah. team. It's very, very cloudy in my opinion. But he did earn that honor because of the way he played last season. And everyone recognized that even though you're not – team wasn't doing well his individual performance really stood out and we also have a little bit of a fun memory of Garrison Brooks was when we were playing Duke with Grayson Allen of course you know the tripper Grayson Allen hip checked Garrison Brooks sent him down to the floor might have been the ACC turn I, I can't remember but anyway after the game Garrison Brooks said that he did not believe it was a good basketball play. Oh, yeah. And he we left it that at that. <laughs> yeah, for someone who's always pretty quiet in the post game, yeah. doesn't really say too much. And he's young at this point. Yeah, it's like a he'd be – Sophomore or freshman, one or He'd the be other. a freshman because Grayson Allen was senior that year. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's when you knew you had to get one on our hands. Was made that little comment. Yeah, and I remember like everybody was booing Grayson. It was obviously it looked dirty. It was a horrible. I don't know what he was trying to get away with. Um, yeah, that just shows Garrison really sticks out to me as like a Carolina player. You know, uh, maybe that he was a four star. He wasn't highly recruited, so the talent wasn't always like didn't stick out. But Roy always gave him praise. He seems like a great person. Uh, he's always, you know, uh, hustled. So he really sticks out to me. I, re- I will remember Garrison Brooks. As a yeah, me too. And he's also from Auburn, Alabama. So he could have gone to Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. And he made the big decision to, you know, go to the big-time program, UNC. And I think he's had a great experience here. He seems to really like it. And, um, I mean, he's he's really led the team throughout his entire time and been, you know, really a staple of, you know, First, you had Theo, Joel, but, I mean, Garrison has really been the the presence on the team for at least two years. And we always remember like, – well, I'll always remember, like, his funny – like, he always makes funny faces. He's always seems he, – he never seems, like, too outgoing in, like, press conferences. But when you just watch him passively uh, with his team, he seems really, like, fun and goofy and outgoing. And, and it's good to have those guys on the team. And it's, it sucks that we're going to lose him, honestly. Maybe he'll come back. But for now, we're losing them. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we never really lose them because they're part of that Carolina family, you know, the Carolina Way podcast. But, yeah. you know, he might have to leave his, our physical presence for a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, Garrison Brooks, he, he might have created the bigs. Was he? Like, I think guy, he did create did, the bigs. He created that. And that was a huge thing, I think, sophomore year where they put out, like, the bigs, like, vlogs yeah. and stuff, like, on the airplanes and stuff with B-Huff. And, um, I mean, then they were joking around saying, like, 
oh Theo Pinson, you're not a big. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're like seeing like all these stuff like oh um, Cole Anthony, you're not a big, but yeah. play tech, you can be a big tonight. Like <laughs> yeah. they're joking around. It was a great time. They, that was so and much that'll fun. stick after Garrison leaves. I believe that'll be something that maybe like a Carolina tradition now. Leader because Carolina's always got bigs, great bigs, right? So he might have started something that will go on forever in Carolina yeah, it's, basketball. It's a lot of fun. All right, now let's get to Andrew Playtech. Me and you have some like a little bit of connection to Playtech. Let's let's be real, right? <laughs> like you know, I've been hard on Playtech. You know, you may have been hard on Playtech at times, but as a person, I think we both like Playtech. It seems as a person, not that we know him like as friends or anything, but we've had classes with him. We had. Uh, sport admin, my freshman year, your sophomore year. Partner assignments. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was his partner one time. He seemed like a real nice guy. Yeah, I was his partner one time. And then later, like right after class, we both went to Finley Golf Course and we're on the range. Oh, yeah. And it was funny because we both acknowledge each other. It's one of those things where, like, he was always, like, very present in any, like, dealings with other people in class, like projects and stuff. Like, he, he took time to get to know you and stuff. And, you know, that was – that was really good because you don't always get that from everyone that they're always locked into every moment when it's not a you know like basketball. Played you know? him in a cornhole tournament. I played him in a cornhole tournament uh, sophomore year. I think <laughs> uh, he beat us actually. He had a really they good. They played tech for three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it translates. But uh, in terms of like on the court performance, right? Um, a few memories that I'll just throw out are one uh, this year where he had that floater against Miami, and it really uh, that's pretty much won us the game. It was almost a game winner, and that was a really big moment. Um, and then the towel baby celebration. Uh, I think you all know this. If you're a Carolina basketball fan, you remember this. Uh, I think it was in the tournament with Kobe and Luke when they were on the team before the Auburn game. I forget who we played before Auburn. And something big happened, and Andrew Playtech folded up his towel like a baby and rocked that thing and then passed it throughout the bench. And it was one of the f- most fun celebrations Carolina's had. So that was two of the things that really stick out to me about Playtech. Also, just um, just got to talk about his facial expression sometimes. <laughs> his eyes are so big. And yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny to make jokes about that all the time because it looks like he's always just like so locked in and he's intense shocked. on everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's so funny. But also... You know, I'm a I'm a pretty big runner. Love the track scene. You know, training for a marathon right now, and whatnot. But Andrew Playtech beat Luke May his sophomore year in the Carolina Mile run at the track by three seconds. Yeah. And it, this just wasn't like the top time was like 8:03. No, this was sub six minute miles. We're talking here, folks. Like Andrew Playtech was flying. He's in shape. Yes. Yeah. So, Carolina Mile is like a big-time tradition, man. They've been doing the Carolina Mile forever. I don't know if Roy brought it in or that's a Dean Dane, but, man, I just know for the longest time. So, for him to win that, that's something that he has to remember forever. As an underclassman, too. I mean, this is this is a huge thing in terms of the off-season endurance. It's all about little competitions and stuff and, and be able to say to even the other upperclassmen, everyone that you won that, I mean, it, it's a huge thing. It gives you some validation. I just see, I mean, Luke only lost by three seconds. So I'm just seeing him and Luke going at it, trying to, you know, beat each other at the end. Luke may trailing play tech the whole yeah. time. I'm like, come on, this little kid beating me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah. This little sophomore. Uh, yeah, so that, that, you know, that adds to the uh, to the memories of Andrew Playtech. I feel like while he hasn't had, 
like Roy said today that, you know, Playtech wishes he would have made more shots. Roy wishes he would have made more shots. It's so much bigger than making shots at Carolina. Uh, the energy has put out. The memories uh, we've made with old Playtech. He's been on some good teams, honestly. He was on that Kobe team. Um, he was on the Joel and Bo team. So, you know, we'll miss Playtech big time if he doesn't come back also because all these guys can come back. Yeah, that's right. Um, so now Walker Miller. Yeah, Walker and KJ. Uh, I like to group them together because I, I see them as the legacy guys, right? Uh, these guys, Walker is uh, Wes Miller's uh, younger brother, and then KJ is, we all know, uh, Kenny Smith's son. And uh, the most important thing for them, to me, is just the Carolina connection and them wanting to come Car- to Carolina, passing up scholarships just to be in the Carolina family. Yeah, KJ himself transferred here from, I think he was going to Pacific. Yeah. Um, out there in like West Coast in California, transferred yeah. into UNC, where he was getting minutes at Pacific, mind you, but transferred here because he wanted to be a part of the Carolina tradition, culture, yeah. and to carry on from what his dad did. You know, we called him like Baby Jed and everything, and yeah. um, that was a lot of fun. And then, of course, his dad gets a little bit more involved than he already had been with UNC. Host late night with Roy yeah. one time. Um, you know, of course, he's always a. I think our the best um, like sports announcer that's at Tar Heel yeah. out there does a great job. Great family Probably man. Probably second best ever behind Stuart Scott. And that's not a diss to him at all because Stuart Scott's the goat. You know, so exactly to be the second best because we produce some sports announcers. Yeah, exactly. Um, just a great ambassador for Carolina sports, and it's great that. He's been able to transfer that so much to KJ that KJ would want to uproot his college experience to come to UNC. Yeah. But I do have a little bit of a story about KJ Smith to tell you real quick. We're going to have to do story time with Will every episode because I love these stories. <laughs> Great story. Matt hadn't heard this one either yet, so uh, I can't wait to see his jaw drop here. But um, a little cool thing about being a part of Carolina Fever is I first got in, got through the – rigorous um, interview process, individual group, whatnot. And then at the end of the group interviews, they told us that um, to get our basketball shoes on because that next Tuesday we got in on a Saturday, we'd be going to a shoot-around at the Dean Dome. And people might not know, but Will, uh, president of the Carolina Fever, so that's something to be proud of. Yeah, I've risen up the ranks a little bit too, but I was a I was a wee little um, – just just got into the Carolina Fever director range. Just a wee little director, yeah. little lad. And I was pumped when I heard that news. It was raining that day. But um, I was still outside just calling everyone new. I was like, <laughs> I'm playing at the Dean Dome. I was a freshman this year, yeah. too, mind you, living right there at the courts. We were a number – I think we were a two-seat in basketball, too. Like, we are just living blue right – Blue heaven. Blue heaven, having a great season. Beat Duke and uh, – this year, too, at the Dean Dome. I was there for that freshman year. I got to go to the game through Carolina Fever. Great, great memories. So we go to the Dean Dome shoot around. I just don't know what to expect. So you know I'm wearing my uh, YMCA basketball shoes that, of course, were the light blue hyper dunks. Right. Wearing some Carolina basketball shorts that, you know, we've all everyone's gotten in their life. And uh, like a white shirt that's, you know, said UNC basketball. And, of course, I remember my outfit. <laughs> Took a great picture of me shooting with, like, the banners in the back, um, foreground with my shot. Uh, like, I, I had the perfect, like, pictures Sounds and everything. Sounds like the perfect experience. Perfect experience. But what's more, 
two things happened that day. First, we played uh, knockout with Luke May. Oh wow! <laughs> Didn't Luke know May. that. We, yeah, we played knockout with Luke May. He comes out and just joins us out of nowhere. And Luke May does I I don't win, but Luke May also does not win the game of knockout. Oh, wow. Now he he definitely got his share of people out, but one person got lucky on their shot. And you know when it's your shot, you gotta make oh, yeah. it. And he made and drained it on him. Oh my god! But um, but my story with KJ, back to him. KJ was playing us little fever directors and cabinet members and everything in one on one basketball. So we all kind of were like formed a little bit of line. Keep in mind, there's only like, well, there was 28, 29 people there, but only like five people were lined up to play KJ in one-on-one because no one was that yeah, confident in their abilities. That. But I'm just a freshman. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Oh. I, I have a go-to shot. So I said, if I get ball first, I know what I'm going to, and I'm going to score on him. So, was he playing legit, or was well, he going a little soft? Well, when I got in, I was like, I just got to make him miss one shot. I'll get my ball get to my shot, and score. Now, he wasn't playing up tight on us. Like, he wasn't, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like face guard. Or, or he wasn't, t- like, hitting us or anything with it or anything. He was yeah. just close. Yeah. So, I was like, just got to get him to miss one shot. So, of course, he just made, like, two threes. Keep in mind, like, he hardly plays at UNC. Yeah. But he's draining threes. Like, it's, like, nothing to it at all. Yeah. So, I get up there, check the ball up to him. He shoots a three, misses it. And I'm like, all right. Got a chance. So I get the nice rebound, bring it up top. My go-to move is two dribbles um, in between the three-throw arc and the paint. So kind of cut in between the two of those areas, right? Yeah. And then I do a little between the left leg dribble and then a fadeaway shot because I'm 5'9", I'm Matt. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, e- so even when I was little, I learned to get the fadeaway shot because I never wanted to get blocked. So this way is I control it if I make it or not. I don't, I don't have to worry about who's guarding me. You don't have to worry about it getting there, not getting there. Exactly. Like it's, yeah. it's on me, and I, I love controlling the controllables, right? So no matter who was guarding me, if I get that shot off, I, I, was, I was pretty money, right? So I do that, and I, I, I'm starting to do the little between-the-leg dribble, and he just steals it from me. Oh. Out of and Matt, I'd been doing this move for like three years. I've been doing it to my best friends, my suite, my best friends um, that I made freshman year, like high school. No one has ever had the audacity to steal the ball you from me. You try to get fancy in front of a Division One basketball player. Man, I did because I thought, man, I'm going to get this shot off and make it. He steals it from me and then backs me down. Backs me down. He wasn't oh, he having it at this route. point. He, he was not having it at this point. He said, I'm going to take this kid to school. And then hook shots me and takes me down. Something. But, um, dude, I was so impressed with how quick his hands were on how he just took that from me. <laughs> Something between you grabbing that basketball and dribbling between your legs pissed him off. <laughs> In some way, you disrespected him passively enough for him not only to steal it, but also uh, when, a, when you're playing a really good basketball player and they start backing you down, that means they're done. They're done. They're just, they're saying well, I'm just gonna score on this person. Yeah, and he I, was done. Yeah, like he could have took a fade away or something. He said I'm gonna just be done with this. Yeah. So you obviously, I think that between the legs really said, oh, this guy's trying to score on me. He could. I was. He couldn't allow you to score on him. I was you know trying that. to. Yeah, he couldn't allow you. Dude, I, but but the video cam was we're going. So if that would have gone in, it would have been on my <laughs> social oh. media feed in my memories every year until I die. Well, so. that's why he had to stop it. 
Yeah. <laughs> couldn't give you that toy. I know, uh, interestingly, another senior, I have a friend, uh, I'll drop his name, Matthew Stort, uh, who we'll have to have him on the pod one day because he's a big-time fan, uh, knows a lot about everything uh, UNC. He played knockout, I want to say, against Playtech and beat Playtech in knockout. Uh, <laughs> so that's, a, that, you know, similar, similarly, uh, we have a few stories where we're taking out these seniors or trying to take out these seniors. Bring, bring them back down to our level <laughs> a little bit. To, right? Least, right? <laughs> but, man, we're going to miss these guys big time. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad you're coming back next year because I would ha- be having to say we're going to miss you, but we'll have another year <laughs> of the Carolina quite, Way Pod. Quite. Yeah, that's right, the Carolina Way Podcast. As long as you're not too business. <laughs> not too yeah, business. I'll be a suit. Yeah, yeah, a suit for sure. <laughs> uh, this is a bittersweet, but we'll have more to come. Uh, we got the ACC tournament right after that. That'll be exciting. Yeah, we're going to do a little recap after the Duke game, mm-hmm. a little pre-show the ACC tournament, who all is playing who and whatnot, and then we'll come back at you after the NCAA rankings are announced, because I know we don't need any more speculation than what's already out there. So we can just detail who we're playing and who Duke's not playing. We'll get that post-selection Sunday episode after that. Uh, And it only gets more interesting from here, for sure. I mean, we're in March, guys. I don't know if you know, this this is our first March episode. So it's going to get fun. And beat Duke, go to hell Duke. It's a great day to be a Tar Heel. That's right. And I only have one more week for my prediction to be correct of Duke canceling their season. <laughs> so I need UNC to win just to make this happen. Oh, you know they're opting out of that ACC tourney if they lose us. That's right. It's a great day to be a Tar Heel.